Hey, everybody, it's Jacob Newton here, professional hockey player and mental health coach, advocate, all of the above. My good buddies over at Sports Epreneur and I did a podcast together about a year ago. And ever since then, we've been keeping in touch, creating content podcasts now. So if anybody out there is interested in doing the same, having their own podcast or want some type of content creation, don't hesitate to reach out to those guys at Sports Epreneur. They are willing and able to help you out. And after listening, don't hesitate in leaving a review. And then you'll get much more access to all of my content across the Sports Epreneur platform. Hey guys, back for another episode of the RAV with JLN podcast, raw, authentic, and vulnerable with Jacob Leslie Newton. And I'm going to hand it straight over to my guest here today. Take it over, brother. Uh, Josh Gratton, from, uh, originally from Brantford, Ontario, uh, played 16 years professional hockey, recently retired, and uh, now living in Collingwood with my family and uh, making a transition from uh, professional hockey into the coaching world and the agent, agency, uh, trying to get some players some jobs here and there, and uh, just uh, excited for my next chapter uh, away from the game, for sure. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, again, you know, I've said it before we, we started recording here, but again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Truly, truly grateful for this experience here. And, and you said uh, you're going to be coaching the junior team. Uh, what level is that? Uh, it's tier two. It's just right below uh, OHL. So it's, it's mostly where uh, players uh, go. They, they get scholarships out of that league because once you play in the OHL, you can't get a scholarship. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty much uh, equivalent to the OHL. Little, little less uh, than the OHL, but a lot of scholarships out of this league. So, is it the OJ? Is it the yeah, the, yeah, the OJ, yeah, exactly. Okay, I don't know. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm really, really new uh, with it. Like, uh, I, I don't know many players yet. So, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's interesting uh, first little bit to get used to. And, uh, but I'm excited. Yeah, man, for sure. What an incredible opportunity, and that's in your home t- hometown where you're currently living. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it just kind of fell in my lap since uh, I came home from uh, China last year. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a transition period and a bit of a waiting, waiting game, uh, waiting for it to start with all the, all the virus and stuff happening and restrictions. So it uh, might be a little longer, longer into maybe September before everything starts, but uh, it'll get going and excited to get it going. Yeah, man, for sure. And, and, and how are you doing in terms of, you know, you, you mentioned you just finished up, you know, your 16-year career. How are you doing in this transitional period in your life? Uh, well, it's been, uh, it's been tough a little bit. Uh, recently, last four or five months, I kind of on the other side of it, but I went through some uh, tough times uh, personally and, and dark days. But, uh, you know, I had some family and friends that I was able to, that was able to help me through, uh, through a tough, tough transition period. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it creep, crept, uh, creeped up on me, and I wasn't uh, wasn't prepared for uh, for life after hockey. And you know, I, I I I can only blame myself in that sense, and just try to help other people so they're not in that same situation. Because it's uh, it's definitely a tough thing when you're used to uh, being on your own for or being in a structured environment and having a routine for 16 years, 17 years, and not even including juniors, but and then when you get out outside the game, you get all this free time. If you don't have you set yourself up from the game, it's uh, it's definitely a scary, scary situation to, to step into. Yeah, sure. man. For sure. And did you ever envision yourself getting into coaching after your playing days were over? Oh, uh, you know what? I I wanted to keep playing as long as I could, and and I wanted to stay into the game. Uh, but I was open to finding something outside the game as well. But uh, 
this kind of just the opportunity to arise to arise for me and uh i'm, I'm gonna just jump in both feet and uh hopefully it works out i don't know uh i don't know how it's uh it's all all new to me but it's exciting new and i'm excited to teach players and uh, develop them so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes yeah, man, for sure, for sure. So let's go, let's go back. You know, obviously, 16-year career. Did you go the path of major juniors? Did you go OHL or did you go maybe OJHL back then? Uh, I, I went to Junior B. I was going to go on a scholarship to Western Michigan, but uh, I, I think it was uh, probably a smarter choice. And I was told just my style of game at the time, I was kind of a power forward, a little bit of more of a grinder. So I, I went into the OHL a year later than most most guys that are drafted in the OHL. and. I went, uh, played three years in the OHL. My, I, I played my overage year and then signed a contract after that. But uh, it was a, it was a tough road in junior. I, I, it was a tough league at that time. And but I, I my first year was a pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Struggled a bit, but uh, I got my feet wet. And uh, after that, it was kind of smooth sailing. My last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. That's great. And 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 in the in the hockey world right now, there's obviously a lot of craziness going on in terms of junior hockey. Um, would you mind sharing at all any any opinions uh, you have on the current state of junior hockey up there in Ontario? Yeah, right now it's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of question marks on what's happened, what's happening, and what's going to happen. And you know, everybody had their had their time as a, as a rookie in, in junior hockey. For me, I was fortunate enough to have a team full of uh professionals right? like a lot of guys went on and played hockey played pro and i didn't have have any uh bad things happen to me personally i've heard horror stories from other people i know personally that other people have went through had it hard and, and but i was lucky enough that i had guys that were the mature and, and weren't, weren't focused on the, the other stuff that we had to do rookie rookie duties like clean the bus little things like that but we also had a coach named Bert Templeton that was old school and he didn't have any, any of that stuff. And he was, uh, he, he passed away a long time ago and unfortunately, but he, uh, he taught, he taught me and he taught everybody that played for him, respect each other. And, and it went a long ways for me personally. And, and, and as I grew up or grew into a veteran into the league, I treated the rookies the same way I got treated. And I think that's kind of what happened in a lot of other places. If, if, rookies got treated bad they would be the next year they would treat other rookies bad and it was just it would get worse and worse and you know there's no there's no excuse and there's no need for hazing in the game and I know it happens and it happens everywhere not just hockey but uh it's got to stop and I know Dan Carcillo's has filed a, a law a class action lawsuit he's a good buddy of mine and I don't really talk to him about this stuff it's it's his business and yeah, me and Carbomer, we were good buddies. I know him. I played with him in Phoenix and his class action lawsuit there. You know, we don't talk about that personally, but the stuff that he had to had to take as a rookie, there's no excuse for it. So it's his business, but I, I support uh, I support him and, and all those guys that had to go through that because there's no excuse to have that in our game. And, and there's got to make a change, and it's got to change sooner than later for sure. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I think back to, you know, my, you know, quote unquote, rookie season in junior hockey. I was playing in the North American Hockey League uh, down in uh, Frisco, Texas. And it was a team that was very notorious for like a party lifestyle, party right. culture. And man, I think back to the, the, to the things I endured as a rookie. And uh, just again, just kind of that culture in the locker room that, you know, we didn't really have a voice at all. 
you know, and then I think back now to my freshman year in college, I went to the school at Northeastern University in Boston and our coach, very old school guy, Greg Cronin, maybe you know of him, played, yeah. played against teams that he coached and he was very much, you know what, like, like fuck that because if these freshmen coming in are better than you seniors, what, what right do you have to do anything to these guys, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, so, so where, 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 where did you sign uh, out of the OHL? Did you sign straight uh, up to the NHL or? Uh, no, I actually went to the East Coast League in San Diego of all places. It was awesome there, yeah. But I had a good coach there that just signed me. I didn't have any idea that I was going to play in the NHL. I, I went to training camp in Cincinnati that year, and then I got sent down to East Coast League. And I got called up 30 games in and never looked back really after that. I, I played, finished the year the rest of the year in uh, Cincinnati. And uh, following that year, I signed in Philadelphia for, for the Flyers for two years. And we were the next year we won the Cup in, uh, in the American League. And from then on, it was kind of kind of boosted my career. I got a good opportunity that year of the lockout, and, and we won. So most teams that win, they get uh, every player really gets rewarded after that, and it's kind of part of the part of the big thing that helped me in my career and turned me into a real pro and, and learned the ropes from a lot of NHL players. There are a couple of NHL stars we had on our team, then like Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, Patrick Sharp. So you learn, and you're in a dressing room with those guys. Even if they're at a young age or they're only a couple of years pro, you you learn the, the dedication they have as a young guys, and it just it just uh, feeds off. You feed off the professionalism in the organization from top to bottom. So that was that was probably the best year of my hockey career, it just just learning wise and and winning. And everybody loves winners, and and everybody loves the wins. So it was just all around a good year for everybody there. Yeah, man. And what what lockout was that? The two thousand four. Yeah, 2004, 2005, yeah. Okay. Okay, where where were you guys that year? Uh, we were right in Philadelphia. We had, they were like, yeah, they, their farm team was in the, like, right, they had practice rink was attached to the, the Flyers, like, the, had the NHL team. So, it was, they were always around. We always seen the NHL guys all around. So, it's, it's just, they ran a really good program when, the, when they had the American team right in Philly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, go again, going back to your career here, I think most people would know you more as that enforcer role on, on the teams that you played on, but you spoke a little bit about being that more power forward. And I know from experience of playing against you that, man, you can get, you can get, get, get going out there. You know, so did you ever envision again, you know, that, that your career would lead you down that path of being that enforcer? Or was that something that was, you know, maybe outside of your radar? I always knew that I was going to have to fight just the way I played, but I, I never uh, like envisioned and I never loved the, the title enforcer. I never loved just going out to fight. I would do it to protect my teammates. I'd do it for a reason, but I hated those stage fights. I never, I never liked having to know that I was going to fight in a game, but that kind of came with, uh, with the job. That if you're playing on the fourth line, you're going to do anything to stay in the lineup. And, and if that's going to go out and fight a guy, it's going to keep you in the lineup then then so be it. I was, I would do whatever it took for the team or to keep my job. So mm. being a forcer wasn't uh, something that, that I went out to, to be, but I took a lot of pride in protecting my teammates. And, and that's just the way that what came with, with the job and, and to make it to the NHL, that's what I had to do. And I, I took it and I ran with that. And sometimes I regret it. Sometimes I don't, but I got to play a hockey game. I got to play, 
game for a living and I got to play in the NHL and live out my childhood dream. So I wouldn't regret it or take back anything, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. Going back to what you said, like things that you had to do, I would, I would almost like view it things that you got to do because I, yeah. know for my, my, I know for myself, man, you know, thinking back to my life experiences being sexually abused as a child, like there was just no way that I was going to be able to be that, that player. Maybe I'm big. Hell, I'm 6'3", I'm 210, 205. Like, I'm a big boy, but I always had this underlying fear, you know? So did you ever experience yeah. any type of fear, you know, going into games, looking at the roster, seeing, you know, guys that you're going to be playing against, kind of knowing, well, fuck, if something goes down tonight, i got to be the one to step up. Was there ever any fear present? Yeah, plenty of times. There would be more – it wouldn't be fear, it would be – just wanting to get it over with when when I knew those kind of things. I, I was just I was gonna happen no matter what. I would think about it, but I would be more scared to let my teammates down than getting beat up. I wasn't ever afraid of of getting hurt. I was afraid of more being embarrassed in front of in front of my hometown or my home team. You know, like there was more more fear of uh, fear of embarrassment than 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 fear of getting injured or anything like that. Because you never want to let let your teammates down and. You know, that that for me, I would be thinking about it. And there'd be guys that I know are going to have to fight that I know I was going to lose. I just want to show up or, or get it over with. And, and you know, it's it's a tough job. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. But uh, that, that being said, I got to, like you said, I got to play in the NHL. I was fortunate enough to, there's lots of guys that did the same job I did and with the exact same skill, if not more skill, that, that didn't make it or didn't get a chance in would give their left foot to, to be there and have a chance to do it. So I, I'm fortunate enough that I got to do it. And I, 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 I'm so grateful that I got to the opportunity to play in the NHL and live out my dream. For, that, that's one of the biggest things uh, I, I think grateful for. I'm grateful for every day. Yeah, man, that's, that's it. so inspirational. I mean, I think back to my first year, I was with Anaheim. Um, I had an unreal camp, got sent down the day after scoring a goal and an assist in my first preseason game. Um, and then I went to, to Syracuse where we were playing and uh, I, it was almost like the team kind of wanted me to take on this other role of being more of a stay at home defenseman. I'm very offensive um, being that more bruiser. And it was just not something that I was willing to take on. I kept, I was so stubborn and thinking, you know what, these are the skills that got me to, to this level. Why am I going to change now? You know, but obviously yeah. for yourself, again, finding that so inspirational because again, I didn't have that switch. I didn't have that, you know, feeling of, fuck, this is what I, I have to do. I get to do this. And it was, and maybe had I had that, then maybe I could have found myself having a career in the NHL, you know? Um, so, man, props to you, um, undoubtedly. But, again, going back to these, these nights when, again, you knew there was maybe something that was potentially going to happen. Did you have any type of routines, mental things that you would maybe go through for yourself to, to psych yourself up, to get yourself into that mental state to go out there and uh. the gloves? Not so much that, but it would be after the fights. Uh, I, I would probably like I'm not not a proud thing to admit, but I would self medicate like after after games. Or I would take pills like when just, like just when I'm sore hands, just beat up body. I, I would just try to numb myself going into the next. Like you're playing three games and three nights in the American League, and you're on a bus heading out, and you you just fought one night, and you got to go in and fight another night the next day. You're just trying to almost numb yourself to get through the weekend by the second and third game, and it was uh, it was it was something that caught up to to me in the end, and and it, it happens to a lot of people. You just try to numb yourself and just get through it, and 
it's a uh, it's a tough way to tough way to make a living when you're when you're burning the candle at both ends like that. It can only last so long. Well, something's gonna give. It's kind of like a house of cards, you know. And and I was lucky enough to I I, I got to do it for such a long time, but it it ended up eventually catching up to me doing that kind of stuff. And and it's not blaming it on fighting nothing, but it, just saying that those 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 type of routines and those type of weekends that you know you're gonna have to fight every night it uh you you try to escape reality a lot of times uh, just just to get it over with or or just to get through the weekend and it's uh it's not an easy thing to do that's for sure yeah yeah for sure man and, and in terms of maybe the pills that you were taking during your career where are you at now with that stuff in terms of numbing and and you know coping things like that yeah. Since since hockey was done, uh, I went through some dark days, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, like with pills or anything like that. I I've been over those kind of things for a while. Since but since hockey's done, it was it was a lot of a depression and mentally mentally depressed and just fear of the unknown, moving away from the careers that way. But uh, like substance wise, uh, that's been kind of on the on the back burner for a while now, and and trying to get over a little over that. And but it's mostly it was mental mentally mental illness and just depression just a lot of uh anxiety and, and a lot of this had to do with some, some of the concussions that I, I i endured during the during my career so so and i didn't personally take uh care of my body like at the end of at the end of towards the end of, end of my career so i recently the last like six eight months i uh, i've seen some proper doctors uh, i've been diagnosed with proper like plant medicine is what I've been using and I've had some good buddies a uh, Riley Cote that I played with he's uh he's big into uh, plant medicine and he's helped me out and directed me the right way and he has a CBD company uh with uh body check wellness and I've been uh I've been using his uh his uh supplements uh for the last four or five months and it's really helped so I'm on the other side of the darkness in that sense, and uh, I owe a lot to, to Riley and I owe a lot to my family and friends for uh, helping me through those days. But uh, yeah, on the other side of it now, for sure. Wow, man, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I, I don't know Riley, but I've, I've seen his stuff and I know he's very much into that plant medicine. How was that kind of, you know, going from, you know, doing more of this, uh, the, the substances, the, you know, the, the pills, the alcohol, whatever it was for you, how was it when you first were introduced to that type of more holistic approach to, to your healing? Was it something yeah. that you kind of pushed away or were you more open to it? Uh, you know what? I, I was, I was ready for a change. I, I had tried a lot of things. I, I had seen some doctors that I tried antidepressants. I tried, just, just things that would try to get me through the day and numb. Again, it was just numbing, self-medicating, drinking, smoking weed. The like, when I say plant medicine now, like I was smoking weed before, just, just to do it, like just to you get get out of my head in a sense. But now I, I've seen like proper, uh, like like medicine, plant medicine, like doctors that give you the right strands. You do it for the right reasons. CBD, like for sleep like just the little things and i've noticed a big change is psilocybin i've been taking with the, the mushrooms and that that itself the last three four months has really made a big difference in uh, in my mind and just in the depression that i was it's just kind of got me over that hump and, and out of that funk and it's uh it's really hard it's not it, it's hard to explain in a sense it just kind of makes you feel like you're in the in present and you're not thinking and 
just shuts off all the negative for me anyway, it shuts off the negative voices in my head and just mm. gets me present and in the moment. And, and those, those two things, the CBD for sleep and uh, the psilocybin just in the morning before I work out, it just kind of gets me focused and, and, and moving for the day. And with those two things and uh, exercise and healthy eating, it's been a, it's been a complete game changer for me. Yeah, man. And could you touch really quick on the psilocybin? Uh, what yeah. is, is it like a powder that you take in the morning or oil or something? Yeah, no, it's a capsule. It's it's uh, just grinded up mushrooms. It's 0 0.01 uh, of a gram of uh, psilocybin mushroom. And it's just a pill you take in. I take it on empty stomach and intermittent fasting. I like wake up early and do that and go for a workout or go, go for a walk or exercise with the dog. And uh, then just gets my day kind of started on the right foot. I don't know if and it could be all uh, placebo effect i'm not sure but it's it's working for me so i'm just keeping it going yeah man that's great that's great i think back to my days of numbing uh it was it was always for me it was it was alcohol it was weed chewing tobacco sex um and now i'm at a stage now where i don't have any substances that I, that i need to use in terms of numbing and coping things like that but i still do very much enjoy marijuana um yeah. you know and it's but now i don't abuse it and now I use it and I gain so many insights. And like you said, it just bring, it opens you up and it just brings you right here. And you realize yeah. in the present moment, there's really freaking no problems whatsoever. Yeah, it. you know, it's yeah. all, you know, depression from the past and anxiety about the future. But if you can freaking remain right here, you know, you're, you're flowing in a lot more fluid uh, manner in life. Um, that's, that's exactly the way I feel on that, that matter as well. And like, like you said, we, I, before we're like, you don't need, I would do it for escapism and not even escapism, just to get out of my own head. And now when I, when I do smoke or, or a little bit of uh, marijuana or, or take the CBD, it's for a reason and, and it's not to abuse it. It's not to mistreat it or take advantage of the, of it. It's, it's for a reason now. And, and it's definitely helped. Yeah, yeah, man. And one thing I talk a lot about is that we as humans, we don't have the ability to choose which emotions, which feelings that we're numbing, right? So we might be boozing, we might be smoking. And you know, the after effect is going to be us giggling, us laughing, partying, having a good time. But that's not our natural self, smiling, partying, raving, whatever. That's the alcohol talking. That's the weed talking, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very important for people to try and get out of that kind of habit almost to always be numbing, always turning to their vices. And it's not always substances that hell it can be our phones. Yeah. If you're feeling a negative emotion. You instantly pick up your phone and now your, your, your mind is elsewhere. Um, yeah. Instead of where it needs to be to maybe go down a path of some type of healing, you know, exactly, yeah. um, and what, what, uh, what type of workouts are you into now? And, 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 you know, not obviously now that your, your plane days are over. Uh, you know, I try to do a mix of everything, Olympic lifting. I, I try to a lot of running, and a lot of cardio, just, just functional, functional movements, like nothing, uh, nothing crazy and, and uh, not for a specific reason, but just try to be functional, a lot of yoga, just, uh, just as I'm getting older now, I just try to be, be as, as flexible and as, as functional as I can. And mm. just eat and for me, it's a lot of eating healthy and, and, that that that's a big step for me is when I'm eating healthy and I, I, my mind feels fresh and clear and my body feels fresh and has a lot more energy and but workout wise yeah it's just functional functional movements and, and yoga a lot of yoga yeah yeah man. and and was that something that you had with you in terms of your career or was this just now um after no I was always pretty 
I was always pretty, uh, pretty into into yoga. My last five five ten years, uh, I would do do hot yoga, but more for a workout, not not so much for for the mindfulness that I I do it more now for the mindfulness and and, and spirit, like just just clear my mind and the quietness I, I do. But before, uh, like while I was playing, it would be hot yoga for a workout, just to get a good sweat. But yeah, it's a little, it's for a different reason now. It's a little more enjoyable now. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, any meditation, you meditate at all? Oh, I, I try, but as uh, I've noticed the last couple of months have been a lot better. Uh, when, when I would try to meditate before I was, before I was a little, a little better than I am now, a bit concussions, my mind would race and, and I didn't really like to be here and be in my own head with when I was dealing with like the dark days and the concussion, uh, post concussion syndromes and all that. So now it's slow. It's a slow, slow process, but I'm getting better at meditating. I'm enjoying it a little more, but uh, still definitely a lot of room for improvement in that aspect of, of my life. Yeah, man, that's that's great. Have you ever heard of uh, Wim Hof? No. Yeah. So he's, he created this like uh, different type of breathing technique. Um, and I came across it, I would say, maybe two, two and a half years ago, two summers ago. And that, uh, along with switching uh, to strictly plant-based nutrition, uh, yeah. vegan, um, I haven't been sick now in over three years. Oh, wow. Um, so I wanted to ask, A, if you've heard of that. And if not, suggest you give it a try. He's got an app. It's, it's a whole tutorial. It's, it's kind of like a, almost like a hyperventilation okay. for 30 rounds. And then you exhale. Uh, at the end of that 30th round and then you hold your breath with no oxygen in your system oh, wow. and it's fascinating how long you can hold your breath for um wow. i was doing it i the highest i got up to when i first started doing it was like two minutes and 45 seconds um and then i kind of got away from it and now i'm back on doing it daily yeah. and then today was the first time i was able to get back up to over two minutes and it's just like what the, wow. <laughs> what the hell i've fully exhaled and so i've got nothing in there and it man it's uh but the science behind it now, it's, yeah. uh, man, it's incredible what this, this man has been able to do, not only for himself, but so many people around the world that have really taken on this technique. And uh, it's life changing, I'll man. To, I'll have to check it out. You have to text me or send me the, the what is it called again? Wim Hof is his name. Wim, Wim Hof. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I think he's yeah. from the Netherlands or okay. Amsterdam, somewhere over there. Yeah. But, um, and uh, anyhow, so, okay, so now you're into a more, you know, plant medicine, holistic uh, kind yes. of life. Is that nutrition as well, you know, plant-based? Uh, no, I, I still eat a lot of meat, but I, I low carbs, and no processed food. It's just mostly meat, vegetables, and some, some carbs, like just, just to get as clean as possible, but not, not really, not vegan or not, not plant-based. It's still, still a... Uh, Still a lot of protein in my in my diet, a lot of meat protein. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. And and what's your uh, relationship status? You married? Kids? Uh, girlfriend, couple kids. There. We're just uh, yeah, we're living in Collingwood now, and everything's good that way. Yeah. No, that was a pretty yeah. random question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all but, good. Um, but man, um, I mean, honestly, for myself, I you know, I uh, I don't have anything else coming to mind. Um, you know, in, in terms of mental health, um, maybe you have any advice suggestions uh for yeah. anybody that's going to be listening to this um just just for myself i know that i went through some dark days and i isolated and and isolating yourself is probably the worst thing you could do and people are out there want to help and and want to and 
reach out to them. Like for myself, I, I was afraid, but I was lucky enough to have people step into my life and help me out. And now that I realize how dark the days were and where I was and where I am today and all the people that have helped me get to where I am now. And those are the same people that I thought didn't care. And I was isolating away from myself. I was isolating myself away from them. So I would just say, don't isolate yourself and know that the people, the people around you do care about you. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. And now I just, another question came to mind in terms of your career, you know, potentially maybe some of the things that you were numbing yourself from maybe outside of the fighting or the after effect of the fighting, you think if maybe you had a more of a mental health or mental awareness approach um, that maybe you could have, uh, I don't know, maybe not extended because fuck you had a long career, but maybe had a, a healthier career or a healthier relationship with yourself. Had you again, taken a, this, same approach maybe 10 years ago yeah i think personally i think every pro junior team should have a mental coach and and a person that, that they can that they, they can get things off their chest instead of keeping things inside or if something's bothered that bothering them they could have a, a guy around the team that that uh that they could talk to and feel comfortable talking to i think that will go would go a long way for, for myself i definitely would have helped me get through some tough times in my career a lot of ups and downs in a hockey career and uh you know if you have someone that you can talk to it, it definitely will take the lighten the load off your mind yeah yeah man and, and honestly that's something that i would love to get involved with to to be like you know maybe a sports psychologist with a heavy emphasis on mental health because yeah. uh going back to two seasons ago i was playing in finland and we had a, a sports psychologist a guy coming in weekly to to speak with us um, and to me, it was, it was more, it was just so sports specific, but how yeah. can you get a guy to focus on shooting the puck in the net when he's dealing with some crazy shit going on at home, which things that these sports psychologists are not talking about, they're not asking the right questions, yeah. which if we can get rid of that stuff, we can, like we talk mindfulness, we can be much more present in our sport. You know, I, I totally agree with you. And that's, that's the thing when your mind's occupied or, or things are weighing heavy on your mind, you're not going to be able to perform at your best. And, 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 and all the money they hockey teams and pro hockey teams put into their players. I think it's a, it's a small price to pay to help, help out their players mentally and physically. And, and it'll just benefit on the ice in a positive way for sure. Yeah, man. And then Frick, I can't imagine like right now with the current situation, you know, the NHL look, look it's looking like we're going to get some more hockey here coming yeah. up pretty soon. Right. But man, these guys have all been in isolation essentially for the past four yeah. or five months. There's going to be some of them that are struggling, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. again, hockey is going to be a nummy for them in a lot of senses, right? Yeah. yeah uh, healthy coping mechanism, but it's, it's still, there's underlying issues here. And I just hope so much, like you said, that, you know, some of these teams are taking that into consideration where I think this whole situation, the COVID-19 situation is kind of bringing mental health to the forefront of everybody's awareness, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think it could have been, I think now is best time more people need it more now than they ever have for sure. Yeah. absolutely. Um, oh shoot. Yeah. I remember this was one thing that I wanted to bring up. This is going to be completely <laughs> off topic from what we've been talking about, but so you played in Finland. I played in yeah. Finland. You, you were playing with uh, Pori Asat. I was playing with Boston Sports. Yeah. And I'll never forget this because I know, again, I know who you were. I know that, Frick, I would never fight you in a million years. But you did ask me to fight with uh, you. Um, I remember. I remember because you're the only big import. We were getting beat. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. 
like I'll never forget it because I like it was a and and I'm not a I'm not a, a physical player. I was finesse yeah. offensive defenseman, but our golden helmet guy uh, puck went up in the air. He jumped in the air to grab it. Hands yeah. on your team level his, levels in mid air. And again, I was right there, and I was thinking, wait, even I won't stand for that. And so I went, <laughs> and I was actually freaking so pumped for myself that I put him down. Yeah. And I was like, oh fuck, Brat, Bratz is on the ice right now. <laughs> and here you come. And thank you so much, man, for just <laughs> getting, accepting my note and moving on. You yeah, know? you went on his you went on his score that night and I was on the ice. You gave me a minus. Oh <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, I should have taken it out. Uh, right. that's too funny, right. man. Um well uh again, man, freaking so so grateful for this experience. Yeah. And it's even like uh we're gonna be connected uh for a lot longer now through this, this uh, thing that I don't think we're allowed to talk about quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll announce that at a later time, but man, I, yeah. I think we're going to have many more conversations to be had here. Um, but uh, in terms of like social media or anything, if you'd be willing to share it, if there's anywhere somebody can find you. Yeah. Uh, Grats 24 uh, Instagram handle. And that's pretty much it. same thing with uh, uh, Twitter, but I don't really use it that much. So yeah. Grats, Grats 24, G-R-A-T-T-S 24. Boom. There we have it, brother. Okay. Again, thank you so much, brother. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Have a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Later.